The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you get your podcasts. At Progressive, you can get 24-7 protection, even if you break the space-time continuum. Wait, every time you wake up is the same day? That's terrible. Yeah, don't worry. I call Progressive. Their 24-7 protection still works, even if my day does last forever. Yeah, but don't you want it to end? Are you kidding? I win the lottery whenever I want and never regret anything. It's the best. Yeah, that's a good point. Progressive offers more than a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, which literally means anytime. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Hello, everyone, and welcome into Stack the Box. I am Matt Verderam, alongside Don Hill. Just two days left in the month of July, but of course, all 32 training camps are well underway. There are holdouts to get to. Uh, there is a game on Sunday, which we will not get to because it is the Hall of Fame game. And while it's cool that football is back, well, football's not really back as the Broncos and Falcons will be playing a bunch of guys who are going to get cut. Uh, but there is one topic we definitely want to dive into. Uh, I wrote about the Washington Redskins and how they've been dysfunctional for the last 20 years. Talk to some people within the league, talk to some agents, uh, and really came away with what I feel is a really clear picture of what's going on in Washington um, and why the Redskins have had relatively no success since Dan Snyder took over the team in 1999. So, uh, Hill, I know you got a chance to uh, read it, glance over it. What uh, what struck you? And we'll, we'll use that as a diving off point. First of all, I have to say, don't besmirch the good name of the Hall of Fame game. <laughs> There's not; it doesn't have a good name. They didn't play it two years ago because the, the turf was melting. They didn't, and they didn't play it in 2011 too. So in this decade, they've not played that game twice. Game's once because of the lockout, and once because they were like, eh, maybe, maybe not, maybe not tonight, boys. It's, it, it's not happening. Don't forget the uh, 2000 game, which was the Patriots and the 49ers, which featured 20 points scored. Only also, by the Patriots. Also featured Tom Brady as a rookie and Giramano Carvazzi, uh, who was taken ahead of Brady by the Niners and obviously did not pan out. Yeah, that is a uh, sliding doors moment there. <laughs> what could have been? Yeah. On the Washington Redskins piece, I don't think a lot of it is terribly surprising as far as like anybody who's thinking that they're not an, a well-run franchise. Like this is not. Sure. This is not something that we're like, oh my. God, it would be very different, and people have tried to say that like the Patriots aren't a well-run organization, and not well-run in the, this kind of dysfunction, but in more of a mischievous kind of way, where it's like, oh, okay, we're cutting corners here, and we're drafting murderers, and then we're just kind of maybe like not, not going about it the way we maybe should. Um, that's one way of looking at a franchise being dysfunctional. But the Patriots continue to win. The Redskins are, as you like to so eloquently put it, and I believe Shakespeare wrote this one time, a raging dumpster fire of a franchise. And what you wrote about and what I think we need to start digging into more is 
it's beyond just an armchair quarterback. God, I can't believe they're putting out this terrible product on Sundays. It's institutional. It's decaying from the inside. And it's not only horrible for football in that this team is just squallowing away. We also have lives and jobs and careers and families and legacies that come into play here that are just being tossed out the window because of ineptitude. It's incredible. I found it fascinating in talking to more than a few sources for this story. Everyone always seems on the outside to view the Redskins as a disaster and then say, well, Dan Schneider is just a terrible honor, which, look, Dan Schneider is a terrible honor. Yeah, I, I didn't talk to anybody who disagreed with that. However, one thing that came across that was clear was it's not just Dan Schneider. The one person's name that kept coming up over and over and over, especially with, with agents, was Bruce Allen, who's team president. He's basically the de facto general manager. And I requested an interview with Bruce Allen. I did not hear back from him. It was said repeatedly, look, he's an isolationist. You, you can't get hold of him. You never hear from him. You can't trust him. Uh, he's dishonest. He, he'll, he'll try to, to screw you over in a deal. And those aren't things that you hear a lot about personnel men in the league. Now, they're, they're, look, there's always going to be some acrimony with certain agents and certain teams because of how contract negotiations went, things like that. But when you start talking to agent after agent after agent, other general managers, they're all saying the same thing. I mean, at some point when there's smoke, there's a proverbial fire. And with Bruce Allen, he worked at the Raiders. Okay, then he worked with the Buccaneers, where he was a GM for a few years. Then he ended up going to the Redskins. He's held a handful of different titles over the last decade. He's team president currently. And I've met Bruce before in person. I, I met him at the Senior Bowl. It kind of fit into the narrative of, as one source put it, he's a politician. That's the way he acts. And another source said, look, the only reason that he's still employed there is because he has political ties his, for anyone who doesn't know, his brother is the former governor of Virginia. You know, Dan Schneider's trying to get a new stadium, and there's this thought that Allen can kind of politic their way into getting. Progressive's Home Court Explorer lets you easily compare our direct rates with multiple companies. Now that we've covered something you could do, it's time for sports stuff you definitely could not do. If you were head coach, you would not have gone for it on fourth down. Your confidence in your play-calling ability might be a little overblown, considering you're barely confident in which restaurant to order takeout from, let alone choosing a play in front of 70,000 screaming fans. But you definitely can use Progressive's Home Court Explorer to easily compare rates. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. It may be getting some public funding money to go with it. You know, Schneider was basically talked about, he's an absentee owner. He shows up for the games. Other than that, he doesn't really care. He doesn't get involved. He liked to win, and he's willing to spend the money to win, but he's not involved in the day-to-day. He lets, he lets Bruce Allen tell him what's going on in the building. Well, Bruce has got his ear, and so it's always viewed as, well, it's not Bruce's fault. It's everybody else's fault. It, it, it's an interesting dynamic there. And I think it's one that is important to understand because the Redskins are not the only franchise that's like this. Now, mm-hmm. look, I, I'm not going to pretend to be an authority on the other 31 franchises in this exact space right now because I didn't do an entire research report on all these other teams. One agent said to me, look, I don't trust the Broncos. Yeah, that's, that's one thing to consider as well, that the Redskins aren't that only team. But the Redskins get the most criticism because Dan Schneider is very public. They've, of course, had the controversy with the nickname. But it's, it's just very, you know, they've, they've rifled to head coaches. They've rifled to quarterbacks. The Redskins just get a lot of the brunt because they're a, they're a flagship franchise. Schneider's out front. Big market, East Coast. The dysfunction with them has been ongoing, and it's very in your face because of Schneider. But Allen is every bit 
frankly, inside NFL circles, he's a bigger problem than Snyder is. But Snyder is the biggest problem in the organization because he employs Allen and he allows him to basically give him a day-to-day update on how everything's going. Bruce Allen comes in to Tampa Bay in 2004, guts a generationally great defense, and replaces it with like Cadillac Williams and all these guys, and there's nothing there. And then he goes to Washington, and what has he done? He's done nothing. It's just this trail of nothing. Yet there he is, and he's in this very prominent position in Washington. And then that also just speaks to the dysfunction. Well, you know, it's funny, but I had a conversation with a prominent NFL uh, person who, you know, had, had knowledge of the situation. So, you know, it's funny, like with, with Allen, I mean, there are stories of that he'd walk into a, a draft meeting with the Redskins basically as they were deciding, like, the, the – finishing product of the draft board putting their finishing touches on it and he had not seen any tape like just didn't bother to watch any of it and there were occasions where according to the source um he would he would be sitting in there and somebody just to test him for fun would say hey did you see that kid against florida oh yeah i saw that tape and like they had not they hadn't played florida like that was it was almost a running joke within within Redskins Park. Like, well, you know, he didn't watch the film, so let's just have some fun with it. But again, it all goes back to Dan Schneider's not in the building every day, and so he relies on Allen to tell him what's going on. Well, Allen's never going to say, "Well, I'm doing a terrible job." He's going to point out everybody else. So, you know, you, you just can go down that road and, and kind of connect some dots. But I, if you read the column, if you read the story, um, again, I hope you do. Check it out on fanside.com or check out my Twitter handle and you'll, you'll see it scroll down a little bit. Um, I think there's, there's a lot to learn in there. I had a great time reporting it and writing it. I'll give one last thing uh, that I, just, I thought was kind of you know, funny, so to speak. Um, when free agency happened, the first day of free agency, the Redskins signed line the Collins, and they signed them for you know, five years, and I think off the top of my head it was like $86 million or A godly amount of it, money. Yeah, it, was, it was a record-setting amount of money. Within... An hour of that signing had two texts from two different general managers. One had said, just wow, simply, succinctly put. The other one, fucking a $14 million for a box safety, Washington fucked the entire market. That was, a t- and I mean, that was a, you know, talking to sources for this story, that was a somewhat league wide sentiment. And I had one personnel man ask me, after what happened with Landon Collins, you think the Chargers are thrilled about that? You know what they're going to have to pay Derwin James? They're going to pay him like he's a quarterback. So that's why you get some of the acrimony, too, with the Redskins around the league. Is stuff like that happens. And, and look, again, the Redskins are not the only team guilty of this, okay? Yeah. I remember the year the Dolphins went on a spending spree with Mike Wallace and Donald Ellerby and all these guys. So, you know, But it, it is just the point that the Redskins have done this more than once. Think Albert Hainsworth. Um, so... Any event. Well, I mean, we need to move on to A.J. Green. We do. We do need to move on to A.J. Green. That was... I mean, we talked about a couple of weeks ago, I think, just how, speaking of franchises that are kind of spinning their tires in the mud here, the Bengals haven't done much for basically the the entire Marvin Lewis era. Not basically. They didn't do anything for the entire Marvin Lewis era except lose in the first round of the playoffs. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago about how they should just unload everything rebuild now trade off your assets we referenced the bills and trading sammy watkins and how that in a roundabout way helped them end up with their franchise quarterback and josh allen which say what you will i mean 
year, what, two of this year, two or three of this uh, franchise quarterback here. We've got a lot of potential. He showed a lot of promise in his first uh, run here. The Bengals don't have anything. The Bengals don't know what promises. They've got Andy Dalton, and they've got Zach Taylor as the head coach, and they've got A.J. Green who cannot do anything on the field for six to eight weeks, might not be ready for week one. Every offseason we have one injury that kind of derails things for a team. I'll say derails for the Bengals loosely because there are, there were, there there are no rails. Derail. Yep. <laughs> that train has already been laying on the side in the ditch for a couple of years now. But A.J. Green is out, and the point here isn't so much about the Bengals. To me, it's about A.J. Green, who is coming up to the end of his contract here in Cincinnati. He's one of the best receivers in football. Slightly underrated, you could say, because when you talk about Julio Jones and you talk about Antonio Brown, you don't talk about A.J. Green in that conversation until you're like, oh, yeah, and then there's A.J. Green in Cincinnati. I don't think that that pleases A.J. Green too much. I don't think it pleases the fact that he – was it something like they weren't even supposed to be playing on that field or something like that? Yeah. This is a rough field, but yeah. he's, he's hurt, might not be ready for week one. He's got money coming in the future. I think this is the this is beginning of the end of A.J. Green in, in Cincinnati. Not that, that the wheels don't, weren't already turning on that, but this speaks to just – volumes of issues with Cincinnati and now yep. like they can't even do the plan we were talking about where maybe you cut bait on them because if I'm another general manager in the NFL I'm like I don't know value just well, took a nose hurt and you know and look that that segues perfectly with what I was going to say okay you're the Bengals you're rebuilding your team and that's fine okay like, it hasn't worked you haven't won a playoff game since 1990 it's the longest current drought mm-hmm. in the league you had Marvin Lewis for what felt like 97 years it was 16 he never won a playoff game so enter Zach Taylor Dalton is basically on a year-to-year contract mm-hmm. at this point. You're not going to cut bait with him right now because you got nobody else. That's fine, okay? A.J. Green turns 31 years old on Wednesday of this week, okay? He is in the final year of his contract. If you are the Bengals, the only logical move, assuming they're as bad as we expect them to be, is to trade him. Mm-hmm. There's just no, there's no reason to play this thing out to get to the end of the year and say, ah, we'll take our third-round comp pick. There's just there's no, no point. It's stupid. Now, I don't. they're not going to get a first-round pick for A.J. Green. He's, he's 31 years old. Two of the last three years, he's played 11 games or less and had under 1,000 yards. But he's still been wildly productive when he's been on the field. And no offense to Tyler Boyd, who deservedly got a second contract with the team. But he's never played uh, along a, a big-time second guy. I mean, you, again, you're talking about Boyd, you're talking about Muhammad Sanu, who are fine players, but they're not, you know, it's not a situation like Julio Jones and Roddy White. So I look at Green and say, if I'm the Bengals, I'm looking for a second-round pick for Green, maybe get a later-round pick thrown in as well. They're really lucky he didn't blow his knee out. Yeah. I mean, even with this injury, look, he should be back, if not week one, shortly thereafter. The Bengals should bubble wrap him and say, you know what? We're going to showcase you for like six weeks. You're healthy. You look great. We're trading you. And if I'm A.J. Green, great. I'm going to a contending team in all likelihood, okay, unless you have a Stroman-Mets deal, which is just, <laughs> wow. Um, but you're going to a contending team, and then at the end of the year, you're going to get, if you play well, and you play, and, and for the first time in your career, maybe you have a deep playoff run, you're going to get a huge contract. Mm-hmm. So it's a win-win, but for the Bengals, first of all, there, were, there was talk that they were concerned about that field in Dayton, which, as you mentioned, 
Uh, the surface was concerning. It was They were playing there as a celebration of the 100th anniversary of the NFL because Dayton had a team called Dayton Triangles back at the beginning of the league. Um, now, Zach Taylor's come out and said, it's not the turf, that's not why. But if you had any concerns, what are you doing? It's a, it's a training camp practice. Who cares? You know, just, just scuttle it and move on. Um, but, yeah, I, I think if you're the Bengals, he is your one asset. He is the easiest way for them to quickly get draft capital and get young players. And if they screw this up and he's hurt and he either gets no value back or very little value back, that's a black eye. You have to make sure that your most valuable asset is something that you can turn into, well, makes sense, a lot of value. And if he's hurt, that's not the case. So the Bengals dodge a bullet to some extent. How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good. He's not out for the year, but that's a situation to monitor. If he's healthy, he's going to be the biggest trade chip out there in October. And if he's not, it's a huge blow for Cincinnati's rebuild. Yeah, I mean, you can't have a guy like A.J. Green and not get the value back. And then the question then becomes, where would he go if he's traded in the middle of the season? Which I honestly think would be the best scenario for everybody. But then it just goes back to the value thing. Like, if I'm a GM playing hardball with somebody, I'm trying to think of teams that would be in a situation in week six, whatever, to trade for A.J. Green. And really the only teams that come to mind are teams that are just trying to go over the top. Like, if I'm the Chiefs and it's week six. That would be – they'd never punt. They could just cut Dustin Colquay. That's the thing. Or if I'm the Saints, could you imagine him going down and playing in, in New Orleans with Drew Brees, especially if the Saints are what we think they're going to be this year, which is this team playing with a vengeance these last two years or the Minneapolis Miracle. They're on the wrong end of that. And then they're on the wrong end of one of the most horrendous calls of – recent sports history of that pass interference call in the championship game. Yep. I mean, this is third time's a charm. Drew Brees' legacy, all this kind of stuff in there. If I'm the Saints, I'm making a trade for A.J. Green. I'm waiting. I'm going to do that. The Patriots, that's the type of move that they would maybe do. Those are the two teams I thought of, the Saints and the Patriots. It's Then you think about it, these other teams, though, because if, you, if you're looking at this from the Bengals' perspective, where, yeah, it's nice in theory to wait until week six to trade them. I mean, really, that's your only option or to keep it. You know but, what? like, what are you doing with the value? I'll, I'll give you a team that, if they're in the mix, would make a lot of sense. Houston. Ooh. Because they need – they have Will Fuller. Okay, you have DeAndre Hopkins. But let's face it, Green immediately comes in there, and he's the best number two in the NFL. Oh, yeah. Um, and they have the most cast space of any team in the league right now and in the next year. So they could, they could not only trade for him, but keep him. Um, I think Houston would make a ton of sense. I really do. Um, I, I think you'll look at other teams, and I'll give you another underrated spot. I don't know that they do it, but the Chargers, because mm. you've got Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. Do they are they that? I, now he's a first round pick, and he played well as a year went on last year. So maybe they wouldn't want to screw with his snaps and, and his time. But that's especially Keenan Allen. Like he's been healthy the last couple of years, but he does have an injury history. Um. I'm sure there are Cowboys fans screaming Cowboys. The problem is the Cowboys are going to pay so many people. I just don't see them giving up a pick for a guy that's not going to be able to retain. Unless unless the value falls and you're talking like a day three pick. But um, 
The, another team, the, other, the last one I'll throw out, because I do like the Saints and the Pats uh, as well, but I will throw out Green Bay. Yep. Because it's Devontae Adams and it's you and me. And it's nothing against Marquez, Valdez, Scantling, and Equiminius St. Brown. Saint but, Brown. I mean, come on. If you can get A.J. Green, those two guys aren't standing in your way. So, you know, there, there are some teams. Uh, the, the Bears are a team that could use them. The problem for the Bears is they don't have the cap space. Mm-hmm. So, but there, the point is, there's a lot of shooters. There's, there'd be plenty of teams out there that would be, yeah, A.J. Green, that'd be great. The Steelers would love them. The problem with the Steelers is the Bengals aren't trading yeah. for the Steelers. So, no, I, I mean, there's there's going to be a market for A.J. Green if he's healthy and he's putting up 100-yard games. Some team is going to say, yeah, sure, we'll take a shot. And if you're a team like Houston with a lot of cap space, you trade for him, you could tag him. You could just tag him and say, hey, you're not going anywhere. Yeah. Bare minimum another year. So he is going to be a name to watch on a team that is really not worth watching, at least as far as we think. They, they appear to be probably one of the you know, bottom five teams or so in the league. Yeah, it's look. It's it's a rough go for for the Bengals, especially now that you're the second team in Ohio. You've been surpassed by the Browns. I can't remember the last time that that's been the case, but I mean, you got to go back to the '90s. Yeah, yeah, good yeah. mid '90s, baby. Um, oh, they're they're trying to they're trying to finally win a playoff game. And if you're the Bengals, it's trying to happen this year, but you've got to start building towards that future. You know, if you go three and thirteen, four and twelve, fine. Draft Tua, draft Justin Herbert, whoever mm-hmm. the whoever the player may be, Jake Fromm, build because you got you had some momentum early on with Dalton, but you just couldn't get over the hump. No, the old Bengals just living in mediocrity. But there we go. Yeah. Um, all right. So want to get to the holdouts around training camp. And there are a handful of ones that are notable. Uh, I ran these down as well in my Stack in the Box column. So if you've read it, uh, you know, we'll try to add some new info here as well. But there are some guys who you look at and say, okay, how is this all going to play out? And I would say that the notable holdouts are Michael Thomas of the Saints, mm-hmm. uh, Chargers running back Melvin Gordon, Houston edge rusher Jadavion Clowney, uh, and, of course, Ezekiel Elliott of the Cowboys. Now, my understanding is a couple of those holdouts are not going to be long ones. Uh, Michael Thomas and the Saints are close. At some juncture here, they're finally going to say, you know, what, what are we doing? I mean, we're, we're off by, you know, $2 million a year or something like that, a million and a half a year. Let's just bridge this gap. Let's figure it out. Let's make it work. And then with the Cowboys – Zeke Elliott, that might be quick for a different reason. My And this isn't a report. It's just my belief. My belief is it's crazy to pay him right now. Mm-hmm. It's just crazy. You have, you have so many other guys who over the next couple of years are going to need money. We're talking Jalen Smith. We're talking this year. You're going to have to pay Amari Cooper and Dak Prescott. You're, you're talking uh, the, the cornerback of Byron Jones. There are just so many guys Dallas has to take care of. Lyle Collins, although I don't know if they'll pay him. They're already paying Frederick and Martin and, and Tyron Smith. Um, but it's just it's a lot of time. And you're, now you're going to pay record money, and it's going to be record money, to Zeke when he's got two years left on his deal. If I'm the Cowboys, I'm, I'm letting him play out those two years, and I'm tagging him. And I'm riding him into the ground over the next three seasons. And then, hey, see you later. We'll go get somebody else. But that – doesn't seem to be the way it is. I mean, certainly they're negotiating with them. Uh, and Jerry loves his stars. 
If there's True. any place that you want to be a star and have leverage when you normally wouldn't, it's Dallas. So those two holdouts are, are right now, I think, probably the two shorter of the four that we that I mentioned. But um, what are your thoughts on Elliot? Would you, if you're if you're Dallas, would you extend them? Do you think, or how, how would you play? Or how would you like to see the Cowboys play? If I'm if I'm running the Cowboys, um, I'm trading Ezekiel Elliott a la Khalil Mack and the Oakland Raiders because we just had a whole entire conversation about trying to find value with a superstar player. And I would say that A.J. Green's a superstar player. But I find it hard to believe that the Bengals are going to get fair value for him, not with just because of the injury, but, I mean, we saw the Antonio Brown thing go down. And, you know, we're struggling to see the Steelers get good value out of that. Amari Cooper was a first-round pick, but, like, that's, like, come on, it's Amari Cooper. That's not He's not one of the best receivers in football. Antonio Brown, I mean, other things were working in that situation against the Steelers. But the fact that you're selling off the best receiver in football and you're not getting this massive package back. And, like, you know, we've got, like, you know, football nerds on Twitter who are like, it's not like the NBA. Like, you can't. You, nerds. You, you can't have it like the NBA. It's like, yeah, it can be like the NBA. If you have a superstar player, it's a business. I'm not, if I'm Burger King, I'm not being like, I guess we're giving these Whoppers away because, you know, it's word on the street is we're not going to get anything. for Ezekiel Elliott is right now at the peak of his value, I would say. And it's, it goes into what you were saying where it's like, it's not wise to pay him at the moment. Don't pay him now. The Todd Gurley thing troubles me. The history of running backs in football after they get paid troubles me. The history of running backs in football when they're getting to the age that Ezekiel Elliott is at troubles me. But it doesn't trouble a lot of people in the NFL, and it's not troubling just quite yet. So this is, you're trading them right before. This is the Belichick method of trading them right before that value goes down and the production goes down, and you're getting back something in return. That's what the Cowboys should do. I mean, the Cleo Mack situation is comparable just because it's a huge name. Cleo Mack is, like, in the prime of his career. Like, well, Cleo Mack's an edge rusher. And, and Ezekiel Elliott's a running back. Yeah. There's this whole different value set. Uh, you know, so it, I, don't, I don't hate the idea of trading him. The only thing is if you trade him, then I think your offense is totally shot. Yeah, but you if know? you're trading Ezekiel Elliott at this point, you're going to, I would assume, get a package back where you're like, okay, this is worth trading Ezekiel Elliott for. And my assumption would be that that package is for the future. And then all of a sudden you change the entire dynamic and outlook of the Cowboys for the next handful of years. The Garrett question is still there, but now with Zeke out and you've got that contract issue out of the way and you're getting assets back that I would assume would be for the future. Now you can shift and focus on Dak. You can build it around Dak, or you can get rid of Dak, and you can go in a different direction. You can wait until the Eagles come back down to earth. And, I mean, we just talked about how Washington's a disaster, and Lord knows that the New York Giants are not doing anything anytime soon. So it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Of course, Then the, the, the reason it won't happen is because of the optics of trading Ezekiel Elliott. And Jerry Jones, like you said, likes his stars. They're on the helmet. It's at midfield. He loves that team. He loves the stars. He loves the star. He is not going to do anything that is going to keep him away from a Super Bowl. He's just going to keep barreling towards that, which we've seen has not been the best strategy in the last handful of years. But the best, the, to me, trading Ezekiel Elliott would be the best thing in the world. It's not going to happen. 
But that would be the smartest thing for the Cowboys to do at this point. I'll tell you what, just call Chargers and say, hey, how about Ezekiel Elliott from Melvin Gordon one for one. And pick? Because I'll segue into this. That whole thing with Melvin Gordon Oof. and the Chargers, okay, and I've seen reports of varying – Adam Schefter of ESPN obviously is beyond reproach. Adam's terrific. Um, and he said they're galaxies apart. Um, there's another report, I believe Charles Robinson at Yahoo, who's also excellent, um, said he thought you know they weren't all that far apart. My, my feeling and my understanding is the Chargers love Austin Eckler and they love Justin Jackson, and they're in no rush to pay Melvin Gordon. Now, I don't if, if if Gordon came in and said, "Hey, I'm willing to take you know less than what I'm stumping for right now," would there be a conversation? Sure, he's a really good player. But the Chargers, and I've made this point a few times elsewhere, in the next two years, they've got a million guys to sign. I won't go through the. I mean, Rivers, Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, all five of the starting offensive linemen. I don't know if. The, Sign all five of them, but all five are free agents. Bosa, Melvin Ingram, Denzel Perryman, Desmond King. The Chargers have other guys to handle, yeah. okay? And while Gordon has been good, he's also been hurt a lot. And he's not a guy who's an elite running back. He's a, he's a very good running back. He's not an elite running back. He's not Le'Veon Bell. He's not David Johnson. He's not Ezekiel Elliott. So if, if you are the Chargers, you're not going to pay top dollar for him when – that team is not built around Melvin Gordon. He's a he's an important piece, but they feel they can get most of what they get out of Gordon out of Eckler. And the, the the tricky part of this is though is to realize it's easy to say that, okay. But Eckler was also great in his role last year, which was a tandem with Gordon. Now you take out Gordon, can Justin Jackson become last year's Austin Eckler? I don't know. Even if the Chargers like him, they don't know. So Gordon is banking on the fact that, hey, eventually, look, they're going to realize my value. But that, that's a holdout that could go into the season. I mean, that's a real possibility. I, I, I think the Chargers are going to dig their heels in. They're looking across the street at the Rams and seeing Todd Gurley limping around with arthritis right now and saying, yeah, we're not in a huge rush to pay our running back. Okay, believe me, that thing with Gurley, everybody in the league's looking at that and thinking, I'm going to pay my running back huge money after that? I don't know. Now, the Rams, of course, made a huge risk, a big gamble. They signed Gurley to a four-year extension two years ago. That extension hasn't even kicked in yet. That extension starts next year. So that's a whole other story. But with Gordon, I think the Chargers are interested in bringing him back, but not at a premium price, and that's what he wants. And frankly, to be fair to Melvin Gordon, I don't blame him because if he hits free agency, it's what he's going to get. Some team will give it to him. Look at Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell didn't get the contract he quite wanted, but he still got huge money. If Melvin Gordon goes out this year, even even if he held out half the year, plays he plays eight games and he has 750 rushing yards and seven touchdowns and he looks terrific and the Chargers are a playoff team, he's going to get paid. So it's a tough spot if you're the Chargers. You want to keep one of your best players, but you can't afford to overpay him. And right now Gordon's saying, pay me now or else. Just just a very difficult spot, and, and that's the reason I think you're going to look at a very protracted holdout. I don't think this is going to end tomorrow. No, and this screams Le'Veon Bell situation to me. He's just going to sit out the entire year, and somebody's going to pay him next year, which, frankly, might not be the worst thing in the world with Melvin Gordon spending a year to get healthy and keeping some tread on those tires for a year. 
wouldn't necessarily be the worst thing in the world. If the Chargers are willing to move forward without him, like, all right, fine. I think Le'Veon Bell blazed a new trail there by saying, fine, you don't need me. I want to show up. And the team can be like, fine. I mean, we'll find another guy. I mean, yep. James Conner was the bell of the ball whenever he was running all over defenses and everybody's like, hey, looks like they didn't need Le'Veon Bell. Um, spoiler. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. Alert, Steelers weren't in the playoffs last year, so I think they needed Le'Veon Bell. But uh, and that also kind of screws things up. I guess I'll, my, I'll end on this: the Melvin Gordon thing. If we're putting our eggs in the basket of two running backs that we're like, eh, I mean, sure, that kind of screws up the whole sleeper thing with the Chargers in my mind. Where every single year they're the sleeper team to come out of the AFC. Watch out for them. And it seems like the last couple of years, last year specifically, and now this year. It's the broken clock is right twice a day theory, where now the Chargers actually are a sleeper team. Last year, I mean, they were dangerous. Like I know they got railroaded in Foxborough, but that last half of the season there, we're looking at them, a Phillip Rivers revival and all this kind of stuff. They were terrific. Incredible. They go into Pittsburgh and they win. They go into Kansas City and they win. Incredible run. Now this year they're being tabbed as that same sleeper team. Like, oh, I don't know, man. Like Maybe they'll win the AFC West, which... I mean, we'll see. But this Melvin Gordon thing kind of throws a, a wrench in that to me because now we're talking about team chemistry. Now we're talking about the locker room. Now we're talking about taking a dynamic player who's not the best running back in football, but he's pretty good, taking him out of that offense, and all of a sudden we're moving things around. Yeah. Do we really believe in the Anthony Lynn system where it's just next man up? I mean, the Mike Tomlin system of next man up resulted in missing the playoffs. I'll tell you what, two things quick on them. I will address the first thing first with Gordon being out and how it would affect him. It would affect him, but I'll tell you what would affect him more. If Russell Okum, who's out for all training camp, he's got a left yep. tackle for them, pulmonary embolism. Thankfully, he's okay, it appears. Um, if he can't come back or come back on time, that's a problem mm. because their offensive line is not good to begin with, and he's probably their best offensive line. If he's not on the field, look out. Um, it's funny, though, we haven't been talking about the charts because of holdout, but over the weekend, um, I was back at my house, and I was just watching some tape, getting ready for the season, and I happened to turn on the, the Pats-Chargers divisional playoff game. And i got to tell you, <laughs> you want to talk about walking away with a bad taste in your mouth about something? That game plan by the Chargers, I, I mean, they stayed in seven defensive backs that whole game. I, I'll just I, – I, I need to see Anthony Lynn, who I like, who I think is a good coach, but I need to see him bounce back from that. Mm-hmm. That's one of the worst game plans I've ever seen. And at some point, look, we talk about the Chargers every year. Every year the Chargers are this, this team. That, you know, they could win the West. They, as you mentioned, you know, they could be dangerous. They haven't won a division this decade. No. They've beaten the Chiefs once in the last 12 games. Like At some point, I need to see the Chargers go in and kick a little ass and beat Kansas City in a, in a playoff game or beat New England in a playoff game or you know, be the one seed or help win a division. Because I never see it. I think the Chargers are really good. I think top to bottom might be the most talented team in football. But at some point, like Rivers turns 38 in December. You better win now. 
Because they're really talented, but if they lose him and they can't replace him with somebody similar, okay, that's great. You're really talented. You're still going to go 8-8, eight 9-7. Eight, you don't have a quarterback. So uh, I, I am just very interested to see how that plays out. The last holdout I want to quickly touch on, and we can be brief here, but Jaden McClowney with Houston. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he's not on the tag, actually. He was offered the tag. Uh, the franchise tag was applied to him, so he couldn't go anywhere without you know compensation. But he has not signed the tender. So technically, he is not on the Texans. He cannot be fined because he has not signed the tag. He's not on the contract. Um, he's the only player in that situation right now in the league. My understanding per source is that he would like a contract in line with Demarcus Lawrence and Frank Clark got, which is five years, roughly $105 million. The Texans feel like uh, you're really probably worth about $14, $15 million a year. Obviously, it's a big goal. Or a big, big goal. I mean, you're talking, you know, if it was a five-year contract, it's a difference of about... 25 to 35 million dollars that doesn't appear like it's ending anytime soon but if you're clowny you go out and you make your money by having a great year and then they either have to tag you and eventually you know at 120 percent of your current salary and, pay, and then pay you or you hit free agency and you're getting you know offers coming in left and right and if he hits free agency you'll have enough leverage you will get 100 million dollars so that is one to watch that is not expected to be short I, my understanding is the houston is not signing him in in any way shape or form um obviously they can't right now i mean july 15th is the deadline so they can't but even past this season i mean i I think i think the only way my understanding is the only way he's staying in houston is if he has a monster year and they have to tag him again and that's that's rough even though they have they have the cap space though to do it that's why they, they they might but you know houston there was not even really a negotiation they did not get close before the tag deadline and now they're not allowed to talk till after the season. My understanding is even after the season, yeah, good, good luck that. Oh, and quickly, Yannick Ngakwe, the Jags, yep. is holding out. Um, he's 24 years old, even though he's in his fourth season. He's a young kid. Uh, he is a terrific pass rusher. Not great against the run, but a terrific pass rusher. He's holding out looking for more money. My understanding from a source uh, is, look, all indications are – this thing is headed to him getting a franchise tag next year. Mm-hmm. That That's where the Jaguars are on it, uh, from my understanding. And, you know, of course, again, like always, can things change? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and Gawke could say, look, I want to be given some security. I'll, I'll take, you know, a little bit off my price. But as of right now, yeah, Jacksonville, I think, is more than ready to just say, fine, come back when you're ready, play out the year, we'll tag you, we'll see you at the, at the uh, you know, the table uh, next, next summer. So, some interesting names around the league that are holding out big names that are looking for more money or more security. Yeah, and uh, I'm just keeping eyes on that Melvin Gordon thing because that's that's yep. going to be a season-long narrative, in my opinion. It's going to be very interesting. And I think all those teams, every last one of them that we just ran down, they're all contenders. You know, you want to argue maybe Jacksonville, but even Jacksonville, I think there's hopes of making the playoffs. I mean, not a Super Bowl team maybe, but a, a playoff team potentially. And Ngakwe is a huge part of that. And they're already missing Telvin Smith, who's sitting out the year for personal reasons. There's just there's a lot at stake right now. Um, you know, you thought we might have another one, Chris Jones and the Chiefs, um, which I'll, I'll wrap up with here. So I know we have a lot of listeners who are Chief fans. Look, this has been something I've been reporting on for months, if you read Stack in the Box. Um, the Chiefs have been – trying to sign Chris Jones. It's not a matter of whether or not they want Chris Jones. They want Chris Jones. 
The problem is simply this. Jones is playing out the last year of his rookie deal. Jones and his camp, from my understanding, from multiple sources, Jones wants the deal, a new deal, to start right now. So, in other words, rip up his rookie deal, give him, and I'm just throwing terms out there, you know, five and a hundred, start it right this second. The Chiefs are saying, look, we'll give you an extension, but it's going to be at less money because you still have a year left on your rookie deal. We still have more control. You know, if the Chiefs were to play this thing out and tag them twice, they basically have them for three years and $42 million. And the Chiefs, again, my understanding is the Chiefs are saying, look, we're willing to go above that $42 million threshold, but we're not willing to go all the way up to $65 million, which is, uh, you know, about where, you know, Chris Jones would like to be. And obviously it's a huge gap in guaranteed money that you're not just going to, you know, smooth over. So he's in camp. Those two sides are going to continue to talk, per my understanding of it. And could something happen? It could, but only if Jones is willing to come down significantly. I, I don't think, from everything I've been told, I don't think the Chiefs are all of a sudden going to go up and offer 65. I think the way it would play out with the Chiefs is, hey, you know what? Why don't you play this year out? Show us you're dominant again for a second straight year, and then we'll tag you, and then we'll go from there. Now, the thing that complicates that is Tyree Kill's also an impending free agent. Now, Adam Schefter reported Drew Rosenhaus is in Kansas City right now working on a deal with Tyreek Hill. For obvious reasons, that's complicated. Okay, so we'll see how things play out there. But the Chiefs are talking with Hill's representation. I think the the way this might end up going, the Chiefs are going to try to get a deal done with Hill because if they can, then they open up the franchise tag for Jones and that gives them more leverage. They can simply say to the Katz brothers, who are Jones's agents, "Look, they can say, look, it, if you're not going to lower your price, we'll just tag you. We don't care, and we have control." So, it getting Hill done not only keeps Hill in house, it also keeps Jones at bay in terms of leverage. And keep this in mind, and I'll leave it on this: everything with what happened with Tyreek Hill, okay, this offseason, and you can there's a million perspectives on it. We don't have to get into it, but however you feel about it. The, the perception nationally is he did something wrong, whether it was the audio, whether it was maybe something more than that. Of course, we don't have evidence of more than that, but there, there, there's that perception's out there. It's, it's real. The Chiefs might get Hill for cheaper than they were going to get him back in February. Okay, If they wait on Hill and he posts 1,500 yards and they win the Super Bowl and he's an all-pro... All this other stuff that's been going on the last few months, at that point, is ancient history. And Rosenhaus is going to say, I don't care about like you're, you're paying my guy, and you're paying him now, and you're paying him more than you were paying him six months ago. So the Chiefs have ample motivation to get held on for all those reasons, and I think that might be the direction that they try to go. And Chris Jones, he remains a priority, but as I, mentioned, as I, as I laid out, there are reasons why this might be going the way it's going. Okay, so just, just keep that in mind. Uh, Hill, closing uh, closing thoughts. Ready for the season to get here. Let's go. Training camps. Hall of Fame game winner, Denver, Atlanta. <laughs> We're all losers. That's... Nobody wins that game. Maybe they'll bust up the paint thinner again and have to not play the game. They should just have like the Hall of Famers go out and have an old-timers game. That's what I thought it was when I was a kid. I thought they like really? rolled out the old... Because it was like the Steelers and somebody. I was like, oh, man, they can bring out Terry Bradshaw. That's going to be really cool. But we all know. thought... 
crazy things as a kid. I remember somebody when I was in like first grade telling me that AstroTurf was just like a carpet, and I thought they were the dumbest person alive. Like, what are you talking <laughs> about? It's grass, you idiot. And of course, no. No, it basically is a carpet of concrete, so uh, we all have our things. Well, that said, that's another episode in the books of Stacking the Box. I want to thank everybody for being patient with me. I was out the last couple of weeks, two weeks for vacation, one week for a health-related issue, which I am fine. Uh, it just was unpleasant, and believe me, you don't want to know the details. It was unpleasant. Um, but I thank everybody for their patience, and I thank Patrick Schmidt for filling in and doing a great job. Um, and I hope you like Patrick Schmidt, because you're going to hear more of Patrick Schmidt here as this uh, season rolls along. We have a, a lot coming up here on Sack in the Box. Starting next week, we are going to have guests on each and every week. Uh, I mean, Patrick Schmidt will, will be included among them, but we're going to have people in the league, around the league, coming on, uh, stacking the box, just like the fan-sided office, which is moving out of downtown Chicago, as I look at the skyline. Uh, we are upping our game quite a bit. And so we're really excited about this upcoming season. When the year starts, we can break this news. We're going to go to two podcasts a week. We're going right. to have a Monday podcast, which whips around the league and breaks down everything that happened. And then we're going to have a podcast a little later in the week that previews the upcoming batch of games. So double stack in the box, double the fun, plus guests, plus all new segments. It's going to be awesome. We're really excited about it. So also want to thank our sponsors at Fanatics. Uh, obviously, they kill it if you need any kind of gear, kind of merchandise. doesn't matter what it is. They've got you covered all sports all the time. Go out, check out fanside.fanatics.fanside.com save 20% free on, on shipping by using the code word fansided so of course want to give them a shout um, and then of course follow Stacking the Box on Twitter at Stacking the Box go on iTunes, subscribe, give us a like, give us a rating uh, give us a comment, always love to hear from you guys um, thank you so much for listening for Josh Hill I am Matt Bertram, we will be back next week Progressive's Home Court Explorer lets you easily compare our direct rates with multiple companies. Now that we've covered something you could do, it's time for sports stuff you definitely could not do. If you were head coach, you would not have gone for it on fourth down. Your confidence in your play calling ability might be a little overblown, considering you're barely confident in which restaurant to order takeout from, let alone choosing a play in front of 70,000 screaming fans. But you definitely can use Progressive's Home Court Explorer to easily compare rates. Coverage for Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.